Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today, our guest on the podcast is Dr. Nate Bosch and a few of his friends. Dr. Bosch grew up in Michigan, graduated with his PhD in limnology from the University of Michigan in 2007. He's been at Grace since then and was the founding director of what is now the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams. Nate has 17 peer-reviewed publications for his lakes water research and has twice been awarded the Chandler Meisner Award, which signifies the most notable journal entry for that year in Great Lakes research. Dr. Bosch also leads the environmental science program at Grace, and when Nate is not doing nerdy science stuff at Grace, he's hanging out with his wife Amanda and their four kids, making them do nerdy science stuff at home. So, Dr. Bosch, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's start with this. Who'd you bring along with you to yeah, the podcast today? Yes, so Adrian Funderburger. Funderberg here is to my left, and uh, she is our research program specialist at the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams. So, speaking of nerds, she is an ultimate nerd. Does a lot of <laughs> like research. More than you? Probably, down. maybe, maybe. Wow. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, pulls a lot of our data together. Uh, manages our wonderful research team. All the different research projects we have going on simultaneously. Um, analyzes a lot of that data. Writes reports and those sort of things. And we brought one of our students, uh, one of our best and brightest students here. So we have uh, Megan here with us, and she's our research team lead um, amongst our students. And so she is... So she's like the nerdiest of students. <laughs> yes. Yes. So well, yeah, basically. Possible. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's a nice title. <laughs> <laughs> so she has uh, six students that she's working wow. with here during the summertime, and uh, they're doing things on zebra mussels, blue-green algae, Toxins, um, general lake sampling, stream sampling, uh, so lots of different. That's a lot projects. of responsibility for a student. It is. It is. It keeps things fun, though. There you go. All right, Nate. I have to start with this question. Um, growing up, my wife wanted to be a dolphin trainer and work in the ocean. Okay. So, what's the difference between whatever that's called, working yeah. in the ocean, and this limnology thing that you do? Okay. All right, good question. So limnology is studying freshwater lakes and streams. Oceanography is studying ocean, marine, saltwater sort of environments. And so the two use a lot of similar sort of research uh, on different topics, but very different systems with different organisms that would live in each area. So in both, you're looking at currents and light and heat and wave activity. Uh, bottom substrates, shorelines, but very different critters that would live in the ocean versus in freshwater systems. So limnology comes from the Greek limne, which uh, means lake, and so it's the study of lakes, basically. And what you what made you more interested in um, the study of lakes or limnology than hanging out with Flipper in the ocean? Yeah, so uh, one, growing up in the Midwest, I grew up in Michigan, and so there was lakes all around, so that's one. And two, when you look globally, 
at water resources, fresh water is in limited supply. And uh, so there's an interesting global connection there with, with limited freshwater resources and some of the political conflicts and humanitarian uh, things that are being done around the world. So there's a, a stronger connection with freshwater. Wow. Okay. So uh, the Lilly Center, give us like the high level, somebody's never heard of the Lilly Center. Yeah. Um, what is it and why is it at Grace? Yeah, so the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams, our mission is making our lakes and streams here in Kosciuszko County, which Grace is right in the center of, clean, healthy, safe, and beautiful. And we do that in three ways. We do engaging education. We want to raise up the next um, the next group of citizens who are water literate in our community. And we do that through strategic research. It's got to be applied. It has to help us uh, move the needle on more strategically taking care of our lakes and streams. And then we do it through collaborative projects where we're working with other similar organizations, making sure that we're more efficient and uh, more effective when we work together. Uh, we started back in 2007. Um, someone from one of our local lakes, Frank Levinson, came to Susie Light at the Community Foundation and said, hey, we need to be doing more from a scientific perspective for our local lakes. And, and sometimes people don't realize like how significant lakes are to this community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got over 100 lakes in this community. Uh, they bring in over $313 million into uh, Kosciuszko County every year. And so they're an important thing to take care of. And so they came to Grace College then saying, hey, would you want to start this new, uh, this new research center? And uh, President Manahan, Ron Manahan, was the president at the time. He loved the idea. He had always been interested in environmental things, actually talked environmental ethics here on campus and saw the opportunity also to start an environmental science program at the same time here at Grace. And so that was... 2007, and I got here in 2008, and um, God's really been blessing it ever since. Um, let's break down a little bit of those areas that you work on. Education, um, you talk about water literacy, mm -hmm. which I think you guys made up, but mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes sense, trying to teach yeah. people about the value of water, and especially right. fresh water. And you are doing that in new and unique ways, especially in the new Science Center. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Yeah. So the Dr. Dana Miller Science Complex, we've been in it almost a year at this point, and it's an amazing facility. Um, lots of cool educational opportunities. Um, we've got the the only freshwater virtual aquarium in the world, which is really cool. We've got uh, almost 90 aquariums in the building right now, wow. a big 875-gallon aquarium all the way down to 40-gallon aquariums. We've got over 500 fish in the building. We've got lots of plants, native plants all around the outside. We've got a green roof, which is the only one in the county. We've got a live wall, which recycles water from aquariums uh, in it in the building. Uh, great classroom space. We have research lab space for the first time in the new facility, and maybe these these guys can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but yeah, it's really a remarkable facility. And for the first time education-wise, rather than all of our educational programs being uh, outbound into the community, we can now welcome K-12 students into our own facility for field trips. Uh, it's now a sought-after learning destination That's by awesome. teachers. Yeah, it's really cool. Kind of almost like a science 
central yeah. or whatever, like right here in yes. our own county? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have Science Central in Fort Wayne, um, and we've got some great museums in uh, Indianapolis and Chicago, but this is a small one on our own campus that's focused in on lakes and streams of Kosciuszko County, so it's really cool. Okay, so that's kind of the education component. Adrian, I'm going to turn to you for the research since, I mean, Nate called you the chief nerd. I didn't do that, okay? <laughs> that's right. But as the, as the research specialist, just give me a little bit on your background, and you're relatively new to this position. So, like, what was new or surprised you as you learned about the environmental resources right here in Kosciuszko County? Yeah, well, I'm from northwest Indiana, so the lake in my area was Lake Michigan. Um, And I always thought, like, oh, we don't have a lot of the little lakes. You know, I've got family in Minnesota, so I was like, oh, we're not a land like that. Um, I went to school at Huntington University. So that's, yeah, that's where I got my degree and then got uh, introduced to this position from another environmental institute I studied at. Um, And right away, that's when I started learning about the Lilly Center and about Kosciuszko County itself. And I was like, oh, we we actually do have lakes out here. Like we've got (laughs) a lot of them and this place in particular has has a whole bunch. So right away, that surprised me that these sort of resources are available to Hoosiers and other, you know, people in the community. Um, And the fact that Uh, a school like Grace can be some of the people really going out there and learning about them on a weekly, bi-weekly basis is is super cool. Really neat to be a part of that, especially doing that from an applied focus where we can be helping the community learn about and take care of the resources that we all share. It's just really cool. All right, get into that applied focus part yeah. for me. So it's not just research so you guys can publish stuff. We know Nate, Nate likes to publish things and that's really great. <laughs> that's right. But like, that's not the whole goal. Right, yeah. So whatever we can do to equip people with knowledge and equip people with a passion for the these awesome lakes that are in their own communities is ideal. And yeah, through our educational programs, um, we can introduce those things to them, right? You know, when they're kids growing up in this area or locals that are spending their time on the beaches. So a part of that for us is throughout the summer, we sample um, 14 lakes in the county and um, seven of the public swimming beaches um, just to monitor their water quality, um, checking for toxins, for safe levels, that sort of thing. So, um, really trying to get a sense for the ways that the public can use these resources safely and in a more beautiful shared way. Um, yeah, getting that, that data into their hands and, and teaching them about what all that means. Okay, so 14 plus 7, I'm not, no, I'm not a math whiz, <laughs> but that's like 21 lakes Good. that mm-hmm. are being, or at least sampling spots that yes, are happening. Exactly. Like, But that's not, you when you're going to a lake, you're, you're not just sampling in one location either, right? Like you're going to even different spots on that same lake. Like how many samples a week are you taking? So it is, well, it depends. We've got a lot of parameters that we're looking at. So it is um, it is 21 sites, individual sites, um, at which we are taking nutrient samples, both at the bottom and at the top of the water column, so way down at the bottom of the lake and at the top of the lake. Um, we're taking microcystin up there at the top of the water column where people would be swimming, um, where people would um, maybe be coming in contact to that if that were there. We're taking algae what's samples. What's microcystin? Oh, yeah. that's Thank you very <laughs> hey, much. Nate, that's I'm my just... job, but thank <laughs> sorry, you. Sorry. Jump in whenever you want. <laughs> no, no, he's got that education focus on. It's good. So microcystin is a toxin that um, blue-green 
green algae, which are a particular form of algae, also called cyanobacteria, um, can produce. And it's one that we identified a number of years ago as the main one to pay attention to in this area. Um, it doesn't seem to be something that's a, a big worry right now, um, but it as with any public health issue, you know, you just want to keep an eye on it. So we're working on monitoring it. Um, part of that lab equipment that we mentioned earlier um, is microcystin testing equipment that we can do in-house and get quick um, weekly samples, weekly results for those levels and that sort of thing. And the reason you're focused on that one, I'm, I'm from Ohio, and I remember when it's Grand St. Mary's, right? Just like Grand Lake St. Mary's. Grand Lake St. Mary's. Just yep. like, I mean, it became... And you couldn't swim in it, like right. you couldn't use mm -hmm. it, use it anymore because, of, and that was the toxin, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it it exists, and that that can be harmful to, yeah, people. to people and their pets. Yeah, people coming in contact with the water, essentially. Yep. So that's a part of that applied focus of what we're doing is um, cleaner, healthy, safe, safer, more beautiful water. Um, all of that is uh, is of interest to us. So. Awesome. Okay, so. Um, you gave us a little bit about the lake ecology and how it's all works together. Um, Megan, now tell me a little bit about your background and how you found out about Grace and this thing called the Lily Center that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, coming into Grace, kind of my Grace story, as you would say, would be um, my sister came to Grace uh, about two years before I did. So that's how I learned. And that was just through the chain of just, you know, word of mouth. Um, so coming into Grace, I was like, this wasn't really uh, my my thing per se. But then coming in and realizing that I, I wanted to get into the sciences because I was originally a communications major. So getting into the sciences and really like pushing myself to understand something I hadn't before um, pushed me closer to Dr. Bosch. And then we had a conversation um, one summer over the phone and he just explained the program to me and he taught me more about the Lilly Center and it was a really one-on-one -on -one conversation that I hadn't had with a professor before. And so then moving in from there, it was I wanted to get involved with the Lilly Center. So I applied and I was hired and I started a research assistant. And now I'm, I'm team lead and we're doing so many amazing things out on the lake. And I get to be outside and in the, in the office. And so like is that. your major environmental science? Yeah. So my, okay. yeah, my major undergrad is environmental studies and communications. And so that's really cool because I get to use science and communication and, and talk to the public and, and really explain that to community and really push the water literacy that we were talking about earlier. All right. So um, it, let's pretend here it's January 15th. Um, it's cold outside, especially last year. And tell me, like, what's your team doing? It's, you know, Adrian says, go get samples. Like, walk us through. She says, go get samples. Like, what happens? January 15th, that's usually stream very cold. Sampling. <laughs> and stream sampling. So a team um, of myself and probably two other students will don our waders and we'll take all of our equipment, um, usually a pickaxe and an auger in the winter, and we'll go out to the stream. And if it's covered in ice, which during that time of year it usually is, then we get the, the fun job of cutting through the ice wow. to get a sample. So we'll be out there on the stream and we're just, you know, hoping not to fall in, but we have our waders on. So we'll cut a hole into the ice and we'll pull our samples and do our thing. Okay, now it's July 15th, much nicer weather, and you're doing a lot more. So during the winter, there's less sampling going on. During the summer, there's more sampling going on because people are using the water and it's more accessible. So what's your team 
doing in the summer? Like what's your day look like in the Lily Center? That's a great question. It changes all the time. So I don't really have a typical day, but I could be, um, some of us could be out on the lake doing lake sampling, um, pulling nutrient bottles or pulling samples, or some of us could be in the office analyzing um, zebra mussels or studying microcystin and things like that. But if it's July 15th, we're out on the lake and it's it's usually very hot and it's tempting not to fall in and cool off, but, but our wonderful fall boat in. captains uh, keep us grounded. And boat captains are volunteers, right? So yes. that's how yeah. you guys get out there to where you need to go is people on the lake say they volunteer to take you out there? Yes, they do. We would not be able to do what we do without the community and without our volunteers. And they, they do. They offer us their boats and they take us out there and we get to spend time with them and telling them more about what we do and the things we find. And how, like, you're at one lake and you're going out there in the middle of the lake to take lake samples. How long does that process take? Well, at the beginning of the summer, when we're all <laughs> new, um, it took a, a bit longer. It was about 45 minutes a lake. Okay. But now um, we're at near the end of the summer and we can do a lake in probably 20 minutes or so. Awesome. So, um, Nate, what are the big things you're studying right now? What paper are you writing? What are you What are you really focused in on at the Lilly Center when it comes to research? Yes, we're working on a paper right now uh, on blue-green algae toxins and trying to understand when we have those blue-green algae populations, how do they choose to produce toxins at certain times and not at others? Does it have to do with different species of algae that are in the lake at that time or certain environmental conditions that's making the algae turn on or off that toxin uh, production? We're looking at uh, boating and uh, how boating might impact uh, through propellers on the back of the boats, how that might stir up sediments on the bottom and what impact that might have on the lakes. We're looking at zebra mussels uh, because zebra mussels. What are zebra mussels? So like zebra mussels, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a little bit. All right, so mussels in in a lake or a stream are filter feeders. So they're, uh, they're bivalves, so they've got shells. Can we and eat they them? can. Yes, you can eat like oysters, okay, uh, but that would be in more oceanography stuff. But um, our freshwater mussels, like the saltwater ones, are filter feeders, which means they filter algae out of the water. So they make the water look clearer because the algae is usually what gives water a greenish tint. So zebra mussels eat a lot of algae. So when they moved into our lakes 10, 20 years ago, they made the lakes look a lot clearer. Like they don't have legs. So how did they get here? So they came from the uh, from the Great Lakes, which got them from somewhere in Europe or Asia. So okay. they came over on ships as hitchhikers. They then got on smaller fishing boats, which came from Lake Michigan or something into our local lakes. And so the zebra mussels got here. So okay. the zebra mussels, so they're kind of picky eaters. They don't like good types of uh, or they don't like the bad type of algae, which is the blue-green algae like we've been talking about that can produce toxins like microcystin. But they do like the good types of algae. So zebra mussels, our hypothesis is that zebra mussels have shifted our community structure and our local lakes towards the bad algae, which is the blue-green algae. And so the reason we're, te we're testing, sampling, trying to learn about them is learning about that connection between zebra mussels and blue-green algae so that we can help uh, those algae populations in the future go back more towards the, the better types of algae, which make up the base of the food chain and, and help our lakes be, be, uh, be more healthy. 
food chain. You talked about that at one of these events I was at. Yeah. So um, can these two tell us what the, the food chain I is think, for I a lake? I think they could. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's give it to Megan as a quiz. All right. All right. Here we go. How does it work? All right. We got the algae. They're at the, they're at the base of the food chain. Yep. And we've now exhausted my scientific knowledge. So you take <laughs> it from there. Yeah. So, so it starts at algae. Um, and so we'll just go from the bottom up. Um, so it goes algae, and those are fed on by um, very small fish, which are... You forgot one. Oh, I did. Zooplankton. Zooplankton. Yeah. Yes. So it goes to zooplankton, which are, the, are fed on by... What are zooplankton? Are those organisms? Well, are they mm-hmm. plants? So the word is broken down. Zoo, essentially zooplankton. So it's essentially little tiny floating animals. Um, they look like almost like little microscopic bugs that swim around and eat algae. There yep. we go. All right. Zooplankton. So zooplankton. So the zooplankton eat the algae, and then smaller fish eat the zooplankton, and then of course larger fish eat the smaller fish, and then we eat the larger. And fish. then we eat the larger fish <laughs> yes. at the boathouse, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> That's how it all works. All right. So uh, you're working on the toxin. Any other big studies going on? Zebra mussels, toxin, anything else? Uh, those are really our big three right now that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Oh, except for our stream monitoring program yeah. <laughs> program that we're working on that we're kind yeah. of building up right now. What's yeah, that? That's what good. is that? Yeah, so to understand our lakes better, we need to know what's coming into and what's leaving them. And so we started back in 2012 uh, keeping track of those streams that are flowing into and out of uh, some of our uh, more popular lakes. And so we have 12 stream sites. That's the sites that Megan was talking about needing to chip through the ice, because mm-hmm. even in the wintertime, we want to know what's going in and what's going out. And when we understand better what's coming in and out of our lakes, we can better understand how to take care of those. Because if we see certain things coming in from certain streams, we know that that's then a hot spot for that particular pollutant or uh, nutrient or sediment source. And so then we can work with other partners to go after some of those sources uh, to try to diminish those and make the lake cleaner. Okay, so let's make all of our listeners really smart. Next time they're going to the lake, they've already yes. learned a lot of good things, some big words that they can um, throw around. But they're going to the lake with their family this summer. Um, what what would they see that would be good or bad practices that help a lake be more clean, healthy, safe, and beautiful that they could point out to their friends and family and look like limnologists like you? Wow. That is a great question. Um, One of my personal favorites for that is a natural shoreline. So we, as humans, really like easy access to the water, a lot of sand, uh, you know, whatever we can just walk right off of our lawns into the water sounds ideal. Um, But there are a lot of other options that are better for the lake's health, like letting some taller uh, natural plants grow up along the shoreline does a number of things. Um, It keeps waves from eroding away the shoreline, um, which can be another source of nutrients. That kind of sediment carries nutrients with it, which feeds the algae. Um, So natural plants can keep that in place. It also can um, discourage geese from using that shoreline in the same way that we would. Geese Mm. also just like to walk right off off of a lawn into the water. Um, And of course, we know that they can poop everywhere, um, which is also (laughs) a source of nutrients. Um, So all of of that and just 
planting some natural plants along the shoreline, it makes it maybe a little bit more difficult to get into, or maybe it doesn't give you the easiest, cleanest access to the lake, um, but it can have a really big impact for, for um, benefiting the water. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say another thing that we can notice just going out and observing would be um, a boat going through a really shallow area of the lake and what we would call plowing sort of at a near plane where the the propeller is down in the water and um, and you can see a big plume of muddy water back behind that boat all that muddy water is carrying nutrients with it those nutrients can feed algae like the blue green algae which we don't want to see in our lakes and uh, and also weeds that you know can uh, clog up people's props or or uh, make it more difficult for people to go on stand-up paddle boards or something like that so yeah so that would be another practice that you can point out just visually and see that that's that's not good for the lake so knowing the geography of your lake and mm-hmm. where it's deep and where yeah, it's shallow exactly. and using best practices for your own boating yep. can yes. help keep the lake. Our boating study actually uh, has a general recommendation as a result, again, because it's an applied research study. And that recommendation is for people to stay in at least 10 feet of water when they're doing boating activities. And we found with all the different bottom substrate types, all five different boat types, whether they're going fast or slow, on plane or near plane, if you're in at least 10 feet of water, we could not measure any bottom disturbance of uh, any sediment coming up in the water. So that's our general recommendation from, from that study. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for making us smarter. Um, Nate, one of the things that I have appreciated in getting to know you is you are a peacemaker by nature. And so that means oftentimes, you know, I've heard farmers get a lot of the the blame maybe for what comes into a lake. But you've been one that said, hey, let's one, make sure the research proves whatever needs to be proven and two let's work with people not Mm -hmm. against people yeah um and so you've been a wonderful partner with farmers and you even have you announced some new certification that's going to be coming Mm -hmm. out in working with farmers yeah yeah so that that is that is true so we work in Kosciuszko county here 80 percent of our land in this county is agricultural land so when we're talking about cleaning up the lakes we know we're going to need to partner with agriculture right And what became clear early on in our work is the lake resident community and the agricultural community have the same goals in mind. The agricultural community doesn't want to waste their good topsoil uh, because it's eroded off their field. They don't want to waste chemicals they're paying for, fertilizer, pesticide, or something like that because they overapply and it just runs right off. In the same way, the lake resident doesn't want to see those chemicals or those sediments come into their lake because it causes some of the problems we've been talking about. So now both have the same goal. So rather than what's more common of environmental organizations and agricultural groups kind of butting heads, we're working together instead towards some 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 common um, some common goals. And one of those uh, we've been working on recently is a certification program. And Grace has just recently launched an ag business program, which is an amazing uh, opportunity here at, at Grace because. Our local economy is run by orthopedics, agriculture, and the lakes. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so it's a great opportunity for Grace College. And so that Ag Business Program and the Lilly Center are working together on this certification where local farmers can get certified for good practices that they're doing 
to help protect our lakes. And so they're able to tell their good story of practices that they're implementing on their farm, um, which is helping their profitability, but also helping the local lake that might be downstream of their uh, particular land that they're farming. So really a, a win-win and it's it's been really cool. So we're excited to see that certification here take off in the next year or two. That's great. Um, Nate, one last question I want to ask you is just, you've been at this now for uh, 11, almost 12 years. Mm -hmm. So when you came into this role as the director of what was then just the Center for Lakes and Streams um, and has now become the Lilly Center, is this anything that you you could have dreamt up or what are the things that have most surprised you over these 11 years? What are the things you're really just proud of and thankful to the Lord for? Um, what have been some highlights for you over that 12 years? Wow. Um, Besides the two yeah, we, sitting here, yeah, you know, <laughs> top of the list, right, all right, other things too. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it, it has really been amazing. As I mentioned before, just God's blessing has been just really clear all throughout the, the 12 years of, of our history here as a center. And um, it's been it's been a really wonderful ride. I, I would not have imagined when we first started that we'd be where we are today with um, eight staff members um, at times during the school year, over 20 student staff members. Um, beautiful new $8 million facility um, that we call home in the Dr. Danny Miller Science Complex. Uh, we've built endowment funds. Uh, we're doing more research projects than I thought we would. We're impacting more K-12 students than I thought we we would. We're collaborating with more various organizations around this community. Um, it's it's really been it's really been cool. Yeah. So That's those awesome. those are some of the things I'd think about. Well, I want to thank each of you for being willing to join the Grace Story podcast today. Um, this has been kind of a fun format to jump around and ask each of you questions. And thank you for what you're doing in representing the Lilly Center and representing Grace College. But I think it's also a really neat way to represent God's mandate for how we take care of the earth he's created. And so thank you for the ways that you have stepped into that. And I uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. And thank you to our co-producers, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And if you could do us a huge favor and rate or comment this podcast wherever you retrieved it from, we'd be so grateful. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today. <laughs>